the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, November the 19th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on November 19th, 1969, Apollo 12 astronauts Charles Conrad and Alan Bean, they made the second manned landing on the moon. Today, in 1794, the United States and Britain signed Jay's Treaty. That was a treaty that resolved some issues that were left over from the Revolutionary War. Probably among those issues was the King of England was asking, uh, what happened? Can someone please explain to me what just happened over there in that barbaric colony? Yeah, the Revolutionary War was a miracle. No one on the planet thought that George Washington and his what they called a ragtag army could defeat Great Britain. But they did. Today in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln dedicated a national cemetery at the site of the Civil War battlefield of Gettysburg in Pennsylvania. He dedicated the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg on the afternoon of November 19, 1863, four and a half months <clears throat> excuse me, after the Union armies defeated those of the Confederacy. It's the most famous speech that Lincoln ever made. 272 words. Takes about a minute, minute and a half, or two minutes to read it. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure were met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who have, who gave their lives that this nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper. We should do this. But in a larger sense, Lincoln said, we do not dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note, nor long remember, what we say here, but it can never forget what we did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they have fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to here ded be dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth." The next time that someone tells you that America is systemically or fundamentally racist, 
don't believe them. No nation in the history of the world has ever fought a war among themselves over a moral principle. And the moral principle prevailed. And people gave their lives. Lots of people gave their lives in that war, including Abraham Lincoln himself, resulting in his assassination, as we all know. That's why it bothers me so much when I hear people putting down America and running around and whether it's Black Lives Matter or whomever, they don't they don't have a clue or they've just excluded truth from their whole existence. America is not a bad country. It's a good country. It's good people. We the people are not bad. We're good. We are very imperfect, terribly imperfect. But we are a good people in the sense that Our history is that we have tried to do the right thing, including that war. On a lighter note, today in 1959, Ford Motor Company announced it was halting production of the unpopular Etzel. I remember the first Etzel I ever, ever put my eyes on. It was in Yakima, Washington, on Main Street. I was driving my 56 Chevy. I looked at that car and I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. I guess I wasn't the only one because not a lot of people bought it. So today in 1959, Ford Motor Company announced no more Etzel. I think they're collector's items though now. I mean, people collect those things. They're just very unique. Anyway, today in 1985, President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, they met for the first time in Geneva. And today in 1997, Iowa seamstress Bobby, spelled with an I, Bobby uh, McCoy, she and her husband were looking forward to their child. (laughs) Today... She gave birth in 1997. She gave birth to the world's first set of surviving septuplets. Four boys and three girls. Just pause for a moment. How would you... Let's not even go there. Marjorie and I had our three kids kind of spread out over several years. Seven kids in one day. Seven babies? Wow. That would be quite a task. Amazing. President Biden transferred power this morning to Vice President Kamala Harris. She became president. In fact, as I speak, she probably is acting as president of the United States. He is under anesthesia, or he's just out of it for a routine colonoscopy at Walter Reed Medical Center. That's what presidents do when they are put out for some medical reason or other reasons as well. That's all part of Section 3 in the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And um, that's been done before. I think George W. Bush had a colonoscopy when he was president and so on. Anyway, uh, it's a little after 9 here on the West Coast as we originate this program. So it's noon back there. I mean, maybe he's, you know, out of there now, but Kamala Harris either is or was over the last couple of hours president of the United States, acting president of the United States. That does not give me any joy, but I don't know how it could be worse 
than if President Biden had his full census about him and was not sleeping at Walter Reed Hospital. A few days ago, I mentioned, a couple of days ago, I mentioned that we had had a shortfall in uh, last month, in in the month of October, about $6,000 below budget. We're not a multi-million dollar corporation by any sense or ministry, but we have a budget every month, just like all of us do in our personal household. And um, so I, I just shared it with you because I wanted you to know, uh, obviously, we couldn't go on, you know, with budget shortfalls as no one except the U.S. government can do that. So anyway, I shared it with you, and I just said I'm not going to talk about it every day. It, it, it is what it is, and if God speaks to your heart, you know, please do something, and if, if he doesn't, then don't. But I just felt that the Lord, I, I did not feel it was time to wrap up this program. I don't. In fact, I feel very, very strongly that we're to be doing what we're doing. And so anyway, I wanted to just share this with you. A couple of people sent a, a couple of checks, and I know that others are writing checks or maybe have written them and mailed them or whatever. But yesterday, uh, an individual whom I have never met, I don't know personally, but listens to the program every day or often, most of the time, I, I presume, he contacted our office, made a $500 contribution online, and then contacted our office by email, and I responded to him personally. And... Um, he asked me how much, or by via email, how much is left on this deficit you had last month, and I told him. And within a couple of hours, he made another contribution online to the ministry that just was the balance of the $6,000. I have personally thanked him via email, and I, if you're listening today, again, sir, thank you so much. And he wrote this back to me when I said, told him thank you and, and so on by email. Hi, Gary. My pleasure. I always enjoy your program as God uses you to, to deliver his word to help the public discern what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective. Blessings on you as you keep up <clears throat> the good fight. Regards. And his name. Thank you. And I just wanted to take a moment today to thank all of you. And by the way, those of you, you're, you're saying, oh, so Gary got the money he needed. I'm going to put my checkbook away. Don't you dare put that away. No, I, we need you. <laughs> but God is faithful. God is good. And God, <laughs> his blessing is wonderful. And so thank you all. But to all of you who write a check every month, some of you never miss. I mean, write you just do it. And I know we do. Marjorie and I support ministries, including this one, but others as well. And we write the check every month because it is, we just have that ongoing budget. So if you were planning to do something or if God spoke to your heart, I mean, don't, don't feel like what I just told you is anything other than just being thankful to the Lord for his faithfulness. And, um, we have a budget this month as well, and we will have next month. So thank you, and I know you understand that. So thank you so much for standing with us, and thank you to all of you who support us. Man, I, I, I'm at a loss for words to express my appreciation to all of you who stand with us and understand 
what it is that we're trying to do for the kingdom of God. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us. I was reminded of a verse, or a couple of verses. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Jesus is not talking about living in denial. Jesus is very much a realist. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paul understood that. He wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Make that your verse today, your message from God today in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. And we live in a very challenging, kind of a tough world today, particularly people of faith. Back in June, Republican Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel She faced a wave of backlash after she tweeted a celebration of Pride Month. She's head of the Republican Party committee. Happy Pride Month, she tweeted. GOP is proud to have doubled our LGBTQ support over the last four years. And we will continue to grow our big tent. I looked at that when I saw that in June, just a few months ago. I looked at that and I thought, what? What is she doing? Well, the reaction from the LGBTQ community and the evangelicals was quick and to the point. Neither one of them appreciated her comments. But she must be tone deaf because now she's announced that there's a new alliance that's been forged between the LGBTQ and the Republican Party. What in the world is she thinking? Fox News says McDaniel's tweet provoked backlash from both sides with liberals suggesting she is, she was inauthentic and conservatives warning about the consequences of her advocacy. The controversy comes amid raging debate. This is Fox News describing what she is doing. Um, the controversy comes amid raging debate about how gender and sexuality have impacted female athletics, marriage, and other issues. Well, the GOP's 2016 platform was readopted in 2020, if we were paying attention, and I was. It condemns uh, more liberal Supreme Court decisions as an activist judiciary attacking marriage. The GOP platform reads, quote, traditional, traditional marriage and family based on marriage between one man and one woman is the foundation for a free society and has for millennial been entrusted with rearing children and instilling Uh, instilling cultural values. It also endorses the First Amendment Defense Act, which would effectively protect faith-based adoption agencies from mandates to serve same-sex couples. I'm going to come back to Rona in a moment, but in response to McDaniel, Family Research Council President Tony Perkins, he's a good guy, he tweeted, sounds good in a tweet, but the reality is religious freedom is being endangered by those demanding 
forced acceptance of the LGBTQ agenda from the elementary classroom to the corporate boardroom and everything in between. Perkins said there can be no compromise of our first freedom. And a lot of others were saying the same thing. Example, Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers. She tweeted, stop. (laughs) We don't want men to play on girls' sports teams and castration of our children. Ronan needs to adjust this horrible wrong-headed messages, messaging or resign. Well, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who ran for president, as you recall, was former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. His quote-unquote husband, Chaston, he took aim at Rona back then as well. Pretty angry. He said, quote, this is the guy that Pete Buttigieg calls his husband. He said, those with deeply held religious beliefs are often the parents who force their LGBTQ children out of the home and onto the street. Continuing, he said, I've met with those kids. 40% of homeless youth in this country are LGBTQ. Revisit your party's platform before you open your mouth about pride. Well, let me give you just a moment of background on Chaston. Chaston was raised in an evangelical Christian home. He's written books and made speeches. I think he's written a book. He's written a pamphlet. I know I've seen it. But he's written about his growing up. And he tells his story that his parents were abusive of his being born gay. And they never accepted him. That is a lie. Because his brother is an evangelical pastor today. I think it's a Calvary Chapel church in the Midwest, but it's a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. It's an evangelical church. And his, his brother says he wasn't abused. He said mom and dad loved him. He was the one that was always creating some kind of you know, chaos in our family, challenging the Bible, challenging what the family believed, challenging human sexuality, I was born this way, and all this kind of thing. And finally, he ran away and left. His parents never asked him to leave, as he says they did. So that's what's behind Chaston and his comments here. Just thought you should know that. You may be interested. But anyway, Buttigieg's husband, quote-unquote, does have kind of a point. Perhaps we should all visit the Republican Party platform. I did. It's inspiring. But why does the party have leadership that apparently does not share all the values and principles in this platform? Beginning with enumerating the American values held by the GOP party, it then focuses on marriage and family and society. Let me just share a little bit of it with you. Foremost, this is the Republican platform, party platform. Foremost among these institutions is the American family. It is the foundation of civil society and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage, the union of man and one woman. Strong families, depending upon God and one another, advance the cause of liberty by lessening the need of government in their daily lives. Conversely, as we have learned over the last five decades, the loss of faith in family life leads to greater dependence upon government. That is why Republicans formulate public policy from taxation to education from health care to welfare, with attention to the needs and strengths of the family. This is why I almost always vote Republican. 
with a few exceptions. Because the Republican Party and their platform more conform to the most important belief that I have, my worldview, my biblical worldview. And I think most, many evangelicals would feel the same way. I don't identify myself as a Republican. I identify myself as a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christian. And I believe that God has called us to be involved in the process in this country, other countries, the people don't have this opportunity. But we have the opportunity, we the people. That's what Lincoln was talking about. That's what George Washington was talking about. That's what Ronald Reagan talked about so much. And Trump talked about. And other presidents throughout history. We the people have a say in our government. That's what America is about. But I don't identify myself as a Republican, even though I vote Republican most of the time because of the platform. And my expectation is that the people that lead the party would at least adhere to the platform or they would have the enough courage to change it and say, no, we're not that anymore. And I pray that's not what's happening because the Democrat Party is not an alternative for biblical believers. And I know biblical believers, at least they say they are, and I will take them at their word, they vote Democrat, they vote for Hillary Clinton, they vote for Barack Obama, they vote for Biden. And I can't, I don't know how they square that up. I really don't. They keep doing it. Six, seven, eight million self-identified evangelicals every election. They'll vote for somebody like a, I mean, I don't know. But this isn't about the Republican Party, except that in that it has one thing in its platform, and it seems like, and I don't know Rana, I've never met her, I, I know she's a niece to Mitt Romney, we know a lot about Mitt, so I don't know, maybe, maybe she's spending too much time with Mitt, I don't know what's going on there, but why couldn't she identify more with a conservative champion like like Reagan or somebody like that. But she has to grow the tent. I mean, that that's an old term to begin with, but I don't know. Recently, now, the Republican National Committee, the RNC, announced that a pride coalition, the coalition is a partnership with the Log Cabin Republicans, an organization that describes itself as LGBT, conservatives, and straight allies who support fairness, freedom, and equality for all. This really bothers me. i got to be honest with you. And I hope it bothers you a little bit as well. In fact, I hope it bothers you a lot. I'm, this isn't about, like, don't vote Republican, vote for this party or whatever. This is about who are we and what do we believe? I would have to know that millions and millions and millions of dollars from evangelicals flow into the Republican Party. I've supported, not millions and millions, but I mean, a few bucks. I've supported them in the past. I haven't in recent couple of years. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I just have not. I was never a big donor. I don't have the means to be, but I would send something. But what are they thinking? I mean, if they're trying to build this big tent... Why are they going to become any different than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, for goodness sakes? I don't know. John Stone Street, he heads up the Chuck Colson Ministries Breakpoint. 
he's talking about this as well. And I'm going to, the next few comments that I make, it's going to be part quoting him and some of my own thoughts kind of mixed together here. So I want to be very clear about this. I, I am quoting him. And he said some very um, interesting and some very challenging things in a piece that he wrote because he's upset about it as well. And he's trying to bring some clarity to it as I am trying to do to the best of my ability this morning on this issue. But he says, although many find the move disheartening, it will only shock those who haven't been paying attention. He's right. Stonetree said the relationship between the Republican Party and evangelicals have been a marriage of convenience. And it's worked. Although for many in the Republican Party, the evangelicals are only one voting block, albeit a very big block. For many evangelicals, I'm quoting him, for many evangelicals, the grand old party, GOP, is simply a better fit than the alternative given their stance on social issues like abortion, gender, religious freedom. See, well, that would be me. And I I think it would be a lot of you as well. That's why I do what I do. That's why I am usually a Republican. I don't identify myself as that. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I have a biblical worldview, and many of you do as well. But the challenge for Christians is always, it always is in having we the people and the opportunity that we have to shape our government and our nation through voting. Hopefully they're cleaned up a little bit. But we've got to keep it straight that voting and being involved in in the political process, and I, I encourage you to be, I will encourage you to be, we must be, but we must not lose sight of the fact that the political party and even the process of voting itself is not the end. It's the means to an end. And that end is to put the best possible people in office that will stand for what we believe are godly principles, which is reflected in the platform, thankfully, of the Republican Party. But a decision to partner with these LGBTQ group, it only makes sense if the end is to regain the political power. If that is the end game to be in power politically, and that is the end game of many Republicans that run for office, That's why I have a real problem voting for some of them, because it's all about the power. I mean, they may believe in conservative values. But that same decision makes sense if power is understood as the means and something else is the end, which is like life, liberty, and limited government, and so on. Any moral consensus around the nuclear family is only possible if it rests on grounds other than government. In other words, government did not give us family. God gave us family, and that is the only foundation upon which we can build a nation and our own personal beliefs and a political party that blesses God and his truth. Oz Guinness, he's a theologian, He calls this a cut flower society. He said, we still have the trappings of so-called family values seen in Hallmark movies, Veterans Day parades and little leagues, but there's no real moral foundation for the family. I think Rona is dead wrong. I hope she hears from a lot of people with influence in the party and either turns around or gets out. Thank you so much. 
for being with me today, and thank you for your support. Each month, we need it. Thank you for being with me. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.